Well, good morning, church. You know, I thought Brian and Casey did a great job, but Serena took the, took the show, right? Right? So thanks to the Lane family. Can we thank the Lane family for week three? Hey, uh, I just want to echo something that Abby said. We're a couple of weeks away from our Christmas Eve services, and we know, and it's just uh, a fresh reminder for us just to talk about this, that our culture is particularly receptive to an invitation to church at a couple of times of the year, and Christmas is one of them. Do you know that the number one reason that people in the US say they do not attend a Christmas Eve service is because they weren't invited. So I want you to take a moment and just imagine sitting next to you someone that you invited and you are enjoying the Christmas Eve services together. The chances are that person sitting next to you will experience the presence of God if you invite them to come. So I wanna remind you that there are invite cards on your way out and we've got a couple of weeks and it's time to pray and ask God to give you one of those divine appointments where you're like, I can't help but invite them to come. Sound good? Wow. Sound good? Yes, all right. Hey, when you walked in, uh, you received uh, a 21 day prayer and fasting card. If you wanna pull that out, I just wanna talk about that. We're gonna start off the brand new year of 2023 collectively coming together and seeking God in our personal lives and as a church. And I wanna talk you through this because we wanna invite everyone to be a part of it. On the front there, you'll see uh, three or four different ways that you can engage. Uh, some of you will jump in and, and maybe you've been experienced in uh, fasting before and so you'll spend this time seeking God and. Uh, fasting from food. Some of you will uh, fast one meal a day. Others of you, because of medical reasons, will uh, not fast from food, but fast from some other activity like social media or screen time or the likes, so that you can seek God and be part of this. What you choose to do is up to you. We're just asking you to prayerfully consider how God would have you be involved in this. We're encouraging you to come and to jump in this. Some of you have never done a prayer fast before. And so I wanna encourage you with these words at the beginning of a brand new year. When you do some things you've never done before, God responds in ways you've never experienced before. Just ponder that for a moment. Doing something you've never done before and experiencing God like you never have before. We're gonna put a whole lot of resources on the website, they're up in fact already. You can go to newhopechurch.org slash 21 days. Starting on December 26th, there is a preparation plan for seven days before January 1, before the fast officially starts. Uh, on the back of the card you'll see a QR code. We're gonna text every morning a video devotion that we're gonna do for the 21 days as a church. There's also some devotions that is gonna be on the website as well. Uh, this is gonna be very significant in the life of our church. Doing something that declares at the beginning of a brand new year, God, we wanna seek your kingdom first. 
above all else. And as a staff, we spent time uh, discussing and praying this this week. We had these exact cards and we did this exercise where uh, went away and prayed and, and, and brought them back and just circled the particular fast that they're gonna be involved in. We're gonna do this as a staff team. And we talked about the fact that imagine throughout the year that we will look back on the first 21 days of the year and say, that's when God dropped that idea to do such and such. Or that was the time when God brought a breakthrough in my personal life, in my family life, in my employment, in my financial breakthrough. But imagine if you'll engage with us uh, what God might do with surrendered hearts and a surrendered church. And so I hope you'll prayerfully consider and listen to the heart of God as he'll lead you as you choose how you wanna be involved. Sound good? That one's a hard one. You don't know like, do we clap like to, to fast 21 days? But we're gonna clap the activity of God in our lives. Uh, if you're able, would you please stand to your feet? I'm gonna read from the Word of God for our message time today. I'm in the book of Micah chapter seven, verse seven. And the Word of God reads, but as for me, you know I'm gonna come back to that. But as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Let's pray. So Heavenly Father, as we have just read the words of the prophet Micah, uh, I pray that that would be true in our midst in these moments. Father, my goal is that uh, through the leading of your Holy Spirit in these next moments that uh, I will challenge and encourage us to slow down, to be still, to allow the RPMs of our racing minds, particularly at this time of year, to just slow down, to get to a pace where the white noise dissipates and we hear you. And so God, my prayer in these moments is that you would remove any of my opinion from the ears of the people that they might hear your voice, God. That I could be a clear conduit for the Holy Spirit, that you would do what you desire to do in our midst in the moments ahead, we pray. We love you, Jesus, for your deep and great love for us. It's in your precious name we pray. Everyone agreed, said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So as you know, we've been journeying through this uh, liturgical Christian calendar called Advent. We're in week three. Advent is this uh, Latin word which talks about the coming, the arrival, the expectant waiting that something is coming. Advent specifically is for three focuses. The first is that we would remember the waiting that happened long ago, the ancient ache for the Messiah to come. Secondly, we would acknowledge that we are in an expectancy for the coming of Jesus again to come back to earth. And then Advent is for anyone who is in a season of waiting. You're invited into this biblical concept to wait patiently for God to bring the answer that you're longing for. 
Maybe you're waiting for a diagnosis today. You're waiting for a relationship. You're waiting for a job or a business deal or some solution to come your way, reconciliation, healing, or some other breakthrough. This is the season where we search our hearts to prepare ourselves in the ache of waiting for God to move on our behalf. You see, God sometimes takes a long time to move suddenly. God can sometimes take a long time to move suddenly. Advent reminds us of the spiritual discipline that is deeply biblical, that we wait for God to be our source of hope and our answer. Our problem, however, or our tension is we live in a time and culture where we are intuitively trying to remove in every notion waiting from our lives. Waiting feels inefficient, it feels unproductive. Waiting is diametrically opposed to the way that we live the hustle and bustle and pace of our lives. If you are like me, you regularly engage in the complex mental algorithm that is the grocery line. <laughs> Standing there, I start to calculate how many people are in front of me, multiplied by the number of items in their cart, <laughs> multiplied by the competency of the checkout operator. <laughs> at the same time, I'm looking at the person that was in line with me. If I was in front of them, would they get ahead of me? Because possibly I could save 25 to 27 seconds in my life. One of my favorites is when uh, you're driving down the highway and someone flies past you and they're in and out of the traffic only to arrive at the next stop sign and I pull up alongside them, right? What did you save? But this is how we live. And sometimes we talk about Advent and it's this lofty idea and we talk about waiting for the arrival of, of Jesus, the Messiah to come and all that kind of stuff and it feels at arm's length and distant from us. But in actual fact, it's very, very relevant to the way we live our lives. This annual reminder for, for God to call us back in a spiritual discipline that we are indeed called to slow down and to wait. Author Brene Brown said, if we wanna live a wholehearted life, if we wanna live a wholehearted life, we have to become intentional about cultivating sleep and play and about letting go of exhaustion as a status symbol and productivity as self-worth. I remember when my kids were younger and if you are a parent right now of young kids, you'll relate with this, but it seemed like when my kids were really little, uh, the time that I was most exhausted was when it came to bedtime. And there was one particular time that I was uh, rushing my kids and calling them to get moving, it's time to get into bed. And my young daughter at the time, she turned to me and she said, Daddy, why are you always in a rush? And you know when you have one of those moments where your kids kind of put a mirror up in front of you? And so I got down on her level and I looked her in the eye and I said, Lily, why are you always asking such disrespectful questions? <laughs> no, 
No, I didn't. <laughs> but what struck me in that moment when I went back downstairs to Steph was, I don't wanna be a person who's known for living life in a hurry. On, uh, on Friday, the, the office is closed here and I was just around the place and uh, someone came by, and I, uh, someone from our church, and so I just got chatting and in uh, 10 minutes, I had an appointment, but we were in a great conversation. It was a really important, uh, an important appointment that I had in 10 minutes. Uh, as you can see, I, I saw to it. But uh, my barber had canceled on me earlier in the week, so I knew he had a favor to owe me. And so in that moment, I just thought, I'm gonna stay, and I'm just gonna continue to talk with this, with this guy. We talked for about an hour, but what was on my mind was this message. I don't wanna live in a hurry all the time. I just wanna be present. And it turned out when the, when the guy left, I called the barber, he said, absolutely, Reese, come on by and we'll, we'll fix you up. Debatable whether that happened or not, but I went and saw him. <laughs> um, but what about you? When a mirror comes up against you and you see that, Man, I'm just living at a, at a fast pace right now. Would someone describe you as someone who is kind of just always in a hurry? And you see, when we hit this time of the year, the Christmas season can also be a hurry. It can rush by and suddenly we find ourselves in January and it's all because we failed to live intentionally. Whereas Christ followers in, invited to engage in this season with actual great intentionality. If you're not intentional, you'll be swept into the cultural current that this season can be exhausting and maybe at worst, meaningless. So I wanna take a few moments to interpret our culture and then contrast it with the way that we can authentically engage our hearts in the Advent season. I've mentioned before how I love Thanksgiving. And it's now in stark contrast to the consumerism of Christmas. Thanksgiving is about what you have. Christmas is about what you want. See, if you remove the spiritual meaning of Christmas, you lose the power and potency of what God is saying to us. If we're not mindful of these cultural subtleties, we dilute the promise and the hope of the incarnation. People have worn out the expression, putting Christ back in Christmas, and, and he is the reason for the season, and we become so familiar with that, it's kind of lost its power. But if we're not intentional, our culture can reduce and redefine this season, and we, as Christ followers, are left with indifference in our hearts. When in actual fact, Christmas is God's annual reminder to everyone that the world is not as it should be. That God's redemption and restoration began in Bethlehem. So here's a couple of ways the message is reduced. The first is removing the spiritual meaning from Christmas so it just becomes a secular tradition. If you remove spiritual meaning of Christmas, what do you have? Have you ever thought about this? Removing the spiritual out of Christmas, what are you left with? Well, let's break it down. You're left with a lot of songs about cold weather, 
Songs about a talking snowman, flying reindeer, and a man in a red suit going down chimneys. Have you ever thought that if you empty Christmas of its spiritual significance, what you are left with is inconsequence? But this really is the cultural narrative of our day and our time. It's taking something profound, historic, and important and trading it for something shallow, trivial, and insignificant. Do you know why we celebrate Christmas in December? Back in the early church, what they were so mindful of in the message of Christmas is that the light of the world had broken into history. And so why not position the celebration of Christmas in the darkest time of the calendar year? So the early church placed Christmas in December where they found the days were shortest and the nights were longest. For them, the light of the world was born into the darkest time of the year. We celebrate the coming of the Savior, the incarnation, And when we reduce it to talking snowmen and flying reindeer, we do a disservice to the world who is watching us. Another way our culture moves us away from Jesus in this season is the subtlety of making it sentimental. This is tempting. Christmas has a nostalgic kind of feeling associated with it. I heard a a news anchor say it like this, after all, Christmas is about being with friends and family. After all, Christmas is about being with friends and family. Kids come home from college, grandparents come over, get together with loved ones, eat a lot of food, taking time off, even reflecting on the year that was. Think about every kind of plot underneath a Christmas movie. Often what it is, is someone who is stranded away from their family at Christmas and the tension of the movie is, will they get home in time to be with their family at Christmas? Nothing inherently evil about that, but it's not the central message of Christmas. Theologian John Stackhouse wrote, Carols stir us, holy words inspire us. The golden glow from the manger warms us. A little religion and Christmas is fine, but that glow in the manger comes from the light of the world. It exposes evil and either redeems it or destroys it. The babe in the manger is far more than an object for sentimental size. He is the son of God who must be accepted as ruler or confronted as rival. We are being pushed to reduce the Christmas message to one that is simply sentimental. The third tug of our culture is to make Christmas kind of selfish. You see, as children, we sit on Santa's knee and Santa asks two questions. Have you been good and what do you want? Have you been good and what do you want? Maybe our culture has carried those two childish questions into adulthood and they live with that in the backdrop. Have I been good? What do I deserve because I've been good? Maybe approaching 
a holy and sacred God with those same questions. Have I been good and what do I want? The average American family in 2022 will spend $932 on Christmas, combining $942 billion will be spent in December. Seven out of 10 people will buy a Christmas gift for their dog this year. You know who you are. (laughs) That number is dramatically reduced for cat owners. Obvious why. <laughs> Do you know the most popular gift in 2022? It's the gift that says, get it yourself. A gift card. Number one gift. Christmas is the time you get what you want. And so if we're pushed towards reducing the message to one that is secular, sentimental, or selfish, then it's only if we're intentional as Christians that Christmas can be as it was intended, sacred. As followers of Jesus, we cannot fall victim to diluting or reducing what we celebrate at Christmas and allow ourselves to be indifferent to this season. Again, let me say, for Christmas is God's annual reminder to everyone that the world is not as it should be. God's redemption and restoration began in Bethlehem. Christmas is a reminder that the kingdom of God is at hand, ushered in by God himself, literally reducing glory to an embryo that we would know the light of the world. For Christians, this season is sacred and Advent is an invitation for us once again to understand and to be invited into waiting. Micah said, but as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. The prophet, he begins with the words, but as for me. There's a declaration, a decision at the beginning of the text. We all have to decide how we're gonna engage in the Advent season. It's your decision, what does it look like? For it is either sacred or it's not. But that is your decision. I will watch expectantly for the Lord. Micah's example is inviting us to be fixated on the Lord, watching, waiting, trusting, expecting. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Back several hundred years ago in the 1600s, there was a preacher by the name of John Owen who described waiting on the Lord as sailors who were caught in a storm out at sea where uh, the waves were crashing against their boat and the wind was blowing strong and the rain was coming down and they are waiting in the tension of the storm to break and at the same time, they see in the distant horizon, they see land. They're not without hope, but right now they're in the middle of a storm. And John Owen describes there's three factors for us to have hope in the midst of our waiting. 
He says there's quietness, diligence, and expectancy. Maybe year after year, the Christmas season speeds by you. And soon enough, it's January, and you're looking back and wondering, was your heart even moved through the Advent season? So I wanna unpack these three themes quickly and encourage you to engage in them. Owen says the first is quietness. This is the opposite of our busy minds and an anxious and troubled heart. If you wrestle with worry and anxiety, if you wrestle with the pace of your month in December, then this is one of the powerful things you can do. The psalmist writes in chapter 37, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. To slow down and to be still before the Lord. My younger brother back in Australia uh, sent me over this candle. It's a, a 250 hour candle. It's, a, it's made in a German town near where we grew up in South Australia and he sent this over to me. And I wonder this week whether on the backdrop of this message this morning, you might just grab a candle and just have the discipline of lighting a candle in your house and maybe looking into the flame and reflect that it's this time of year that God reminds us that he sent Jesus to be the light of the world. Sometimes sitting quietly around a candle can bring us into a time of reflection. Perhaps doing some practice this week will help you before it's too late. It's just December 11th. It's not too late for you to say no to the pace and the chaos of our culture at this time of year. Just light a candle. Turn off the ambient noise around you and ponder on God's faithfulness and goodness in your life. The second theme is diligence. What John Owen meant by diligence is what is called the means of grace. The means of grace. These are the spiritual practices and disciplines. Psalm 37, wait for the Lord and keep his way. Prayer, fasting, confession, spirit, scriptural reading, meditation, listening, and journaling. Engaging in practices deliberately to slow you down and to bring you time of focus and reflection on God's faithfulness and goodness in this life. The third component to waiting is expectancy. Psalm 130, I will wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in His word I hope. Waiting is to be hopeful. The Christian hope is not an empty, worthless wait, but rather there is an assurance that the one we wait for is trustworthy, dependable, and faithful. And this truth has been passed down from generation to generation, passed down so that we can stand in the demonstration of hundreds of years of God's faithfulness to His people. So my question, is what are you waiting for this December? What is happening in your spiritual journey that God would call you with a spiritual discipline to wait, to be invited in engaging in this very biblical practice of waiting on God, 
that there wouldn't be a separation from the secular activities of your life and the sacred spiritual journey of your life. That waiting on God, you would allow Him to bring these together. What do I mean by that? I mean, what are you waiting for? Some of you are waiting for a fractured relationship to be healed. Some of you are waiting for a spouse or waiting for the news that you are finally pregnant and you're starting a family. Some of you are waiting for a job and the tension of being in between employment and now God is asking you to wait for Him to provide for you. Maybe you're under heavy financial pressure this Advent season. You're waiting for a breakthrough of God's provision. Maybe you're waiting for direction. Maybe you're waiting for clarity for a calling on your life. Perhaps you're waiting for a specific person to come home. A specific person who is heavy on your heart, who's living their life right now down a path that is self-destructive and you're waiting for them to turn around. Maybe some of you are waiting in this Advent season for someone that you love, that you've prayed for for a long time, that they would finally come to faith, that they would bend their knee and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. Micah said, but as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. I wanna invite us around the communion table now. And so if you received the elements when you came in, if you would go ahead and grab them. If, if you didn't get the elements when you came in and you'd like to participate, then just raise your hand and the ushers will get those to you. If you're visiting today and you would prefer not to participate, that's completely okay. And I also wanna remind us as we come to the Lord's table that there are two groups of people that Scripture says are exempt from the communion, which is those that are not yet a Christian. Scripture encourages you to spend this time in reflection. And secondly, those who have unforgiveness in your heart towards a brother or sister, Scripture says you should deal with that before you take communion. I wanna read from the author who wrote about a, a, a circus trapeze. The author is Henry Nowen, and he writes about two trapeze artists. There's the flyers and the catchers. The flyers get all the credit. They do the flips and the somersaults, he writes. But the real star is the catcher. The flyer must hold out his or her arms and wait. The catcher has to grab hold of the flyer. Maybe the flyer thinks, what if the catcher can't hold me? What if the, the hands are, are, are sweaty? The flyer must never try to catch the catcher. The flyer must wait in absolute trust. The catcher will catch him, but he must wait. When we put our trust in the Lord, we put ourselves out there. We fly and we wait for our catcher. Some of you are waiting. You're waiting for the Lord to catch you. He is the one that we're waiting for. Now, I don't know how and I don't know when, but don't be anxious 
The message of Advent is He will catch you. And the elements that we hold in our hands is the proof of that. That the world is not as He intended it to be. And so He released His Son into the world to be the light of the world. So that we sinners could be caught by a holy God. So as we enter into this time, I'm gonna describe three groups and if you fall in one of those groups, I wanna invite you to take hold of your communion elements and stand to your feet. The first group of people I wanna invite to stand to your feet, if you are waiting for God because you need something right now, provision or healing or reconciliation. If that's you this morning, your season of waiting is waiting for God to bring provision or healing or reconciliation, I wanna invite if you would stand to your feet if you fall in that category this morning. The second group of those who are waiting for guidance for something, You've been petitioning heaven in a specific area in your life and you feel like you haven't got your answer or your direction yet. You're, you're not sure the way forward right now. Then if you're in that second group, I wanna invite you to stand to your feet with your elements today. And thirdly, if you're waiting on the behalf of someone, that this particular Advent season is finding your heart and your mind occupied with the ache for a loved one, a family member or a friend. You're waiting for their healing to come or their particular breakthrough to come. If you're heavy burdened for someone in your life, then I wanna invite you to stand to your feet. So in this Advent season, May God find you putting yourself out there with hands raised high, waiting for the catcher, waiting for the faithful, dependable and trustworthy hands of the catcher. May he find you waiting, not without hope, but with expectancy. Waiting knowing the catcher is dependable, knowing the catcher is trustworthy, knowing the catcher is faithful for provision, healing, reconciliation, for guidance, and he's faithful for someone you're waiting for. If you're not standing and you're able to, can I invite you to join the rest of us? If you'd peel off the bottom and reveal the bread, On the night that Jesus was betrayed by a close friend, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, remember me. Let us eat and remember. Go ahead and peel back the top, revealing the juice. The same time he said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. When you drink this, remember me. Let us drink and remember.
Father God, I wanna thank you for spiritual writers like Henry Nouwen who give us a picture this morning of what it means to wait, to wait expectantly for you. Like a trapeze artist flying through the air with our, with our arms stretched out, expecting our catcher, the faithful God, to grasp hold of our hands. And there we find our breakthrough. And so Father, I pray for everyone who stood in the first group, who's waiting for you, waiting for provision from you, waiting for reconciliation for you. God, I pray for the second group that stood to their feet. They, they stood in faith to say, God, would you answer the prayer for direction and guidance right now? Father, would you help them uh, to keep from the temptation of answering your guidance before you have answered God. Let it be God-breathed direction for group two. And for group three who faithfully stood to declare with expectancy, God, their, their burden for a loved one this morning, that that loved one would receive a breakthrough. Maybe it's some medical situation or issue uh, maybe it's for comfort for someone who is lonely, breakthrough for employment or finances, and maybe it's spiritual breakthrough, God, that they'd come to know you. So Father, as we stand in the holiness of this moment, we just choose as a faith community to slow down. The backdrop of having participated in Holy Communion, Lord, we are freshly reminded of what it means for your plan to come and redeem and save the sinful chaos of this world. Father, would you help us to make a decision to keep this season sacred, to slow down and to engage with you, that you may engage with us. May our hearts and our minds be open to you this Christmas season, God, we pray. And Father, before we end our time together, I wanna pray, uh, as I said at the start of this message, for divine appointments, for people who make invitations to come and be part of our Christmas celebrations this year. Father, as people come into this place and we, we make much of Jesus, they get to see us expressing our love in gratitude to you. And Father, we pray that the gospel would be clearly communicated and that people would have soft and receptive hearts and we would see, God, your church grow one life at a time this Christmas season. And God, we take a moment to pray for all of the churches in the triangle. God, all of the churches that are diligently planning and praying for their Christmas Eve services, God, we join with them today and we pray, God, would you pour out your Spirit in powerful ways all over our area. God, would you have a time where you just blanket with the presence and power of your Holy Spirit in every Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Jesus-praising church in our area, God. 
And may every church in our area find themselves scurrying to put out extra chairs because of overflow, because people have come to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ this season. This is our prayer, God, that your kingdom would come in the triangle as it is in heaven, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, said? Amen. Amen and amen.